Good morning. We are continuing through our transformation series this morning, and we're going to be looking at Romans 12 and beginning in verse 9 this morning in uh, reading through 21. But I want to start with a question for you this morning. Um, I'm hoping this morning to try to maybe slow down a little bit and make this really a reflective time for you, what we're going to talk about today. I'm wanting you to hopefully get some space here, even in these moments, to start really reflecting on some stuff in your life. And so I want you to start with this question of, when did it, when did it happen to you? When did it happen to you? What, what am I talking about? When did it happen? When was the time where you felt the need to put a mask on? When's the first time when you said, this is not a safe place, I have to put a mask on? I have to protect myself at all costs? When's the first time when you experienced some sort of shame or some sort of embarrassment and someone stepped on that, took advantage of that, and you said, whoa, okay, now I will never, ever expose my heart that way again. When did you put your mask on? You know, I'm guessing you may not be able to point to one time or to that specific event, but I hope you are able to reflect on the fact that you do have a mask and that you wear a different mask in different settings depending on the setting. We all know there are spaces in our lives and times where, you know, we put on the mask of joviality and just kind of light banter because we know that's what feels like it's what's needed. We also know there are times in our lives where we wear a mask that is a, maybe a, a pretend kind of openness, where we open up, but we're staying in control of that openness, that vulnerability, because we know to totally be vulnerable, to totally let that go, it's too dangerous. See, the question we're all asking ourselves whenever we enter any sort of social situation any sort of relational situation, there's one core question we're all asking, which is, is this a safe place? Is this a safe place where I can expose my heart, where I can take off my mask, and I can love freely? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. In Romans chapter 12, we're looking at relationships and what we're going to see in this passage as we talk about transformation is that transformation is walked out in our relationships one event at a time. How do you know if you're transformed? Look at your relationships. That's where the rubber meets the road is in our relationships. See, I can sit in my room by myself and get in my head and I can think, I've learned stuff, I know stuff, I believe stuff. But I don't really know what I believe. I don't really know what I know until I walk it out in a relationship. The greatest gift that God has given to me in my life is my wife. She's my greatest gift because she's the one who has helped me most understand how if I'm not loving, she doesn't care what I know. And believe me, I know a lot. <laughs> when I came out of seminary, I came into 
my first ministry, and I knew a lot. And I was teaching kids, I was teaching junior high kids and high school kids, and we were teaching a lot about the difference between Calvinism and Arminianism. I was having a great time. (laughs) But no one else was. And I soon began to discover that they also weren't experiencing community, they weren't experiencing love, they weren't being loved by me. I was instead trying to pound knowledge without love. Both are important. We want knowledge. Knowledge, I'm not saying is bad. But are you transformed? You're going to know as you look at your relationship. So let's reset for a moment where we're at in Romans 12. We know that Paul has exhorted us to offer our whole bodies to God as a living sacrifice to be used for his purposes. And we know that that is the core of our activity with God, that we are to be acting in such a way that we're presenting our lives completely, every aspect of them, for his purposes. Then we also know that God himself is also acting on us to bring about transformation. We talked about this idea of coactivity, that God is acting on us to transform us, and we are also acting as well doing things, in particular presenting our lives so that he can transform us. This co-activity comes together. It's important that you do both. One way I like to think of it is with this idea of rest and risk. Um, As we seek to be transformed in our lives, we must take a posture of rest. That posture says, I know that he who began a good work in me will complete it. I can rest in that. What am I resting in? I'm resting in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm resting in the work of the cross. I don't have to work to save myself. In fact, I cannot work to save myself. I am saved because of Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. I am being saved or being transformed because of Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. And one day I will experience salvation because of Jesus Christ and his work. I must rest in that. But also, that should cause me to want to risk. And that's what Romans 12 and the passage we're looking at today is going to be all about is, I'm also called to step out from that resting place and risk to love people. We're called to step out in faith knowing that as we risk our hearts, they will be transformed. And this is back and forth. Sometimes we risk, and as we're risking in a relationship, as we're trying to love somebody, it calls us back to rest. We recognize, okay, I'm not resting right now in the transforming work of God. I'm trying too hard on my own strength. But then there are times where Our rest needs to motivate us to say, because I believe that Jesus Christ has changed me and is changing me, I can now risk offering my heart. I can take my mask off and I can love in a risky way. See, love, true, genuine love is always risky. It's always costly. If you're not experiencing that in your life, then I want to challenge you to reflect this morning on, then am I really loving? Or am I keeping my mask on as I do something that looks like love? 
You see, transformed, if we want to be transformed, if we want to experience transformational living, it's going to come out in our relationships. And it's going to be crazy the way it looks sometimes. People are going to be like, whoa, I can't believe you can love like that. People will be drawn to it. So rest and risk is this back and forth balance. And a good question that each one of us should be asking is so, Am I being transformed? Am I being transformed? Are you looking at your life? What's the evidence of your transformation? How do you know if you're being transformed? See, it's so easy for us, I think, as Americans, especially as Scott talked about this a little bit last week, to isolate. And our theology tends to be an isolationist theology where we live it out alone in our own room, thinking we know stuff because we read it in the Bible and we believe it, we think, but we really don't know what we know until we see evidence of it in our relationships. And so a good way to look at whether you're being transformed is to wrestle with your relationships and is love what's leading them. So as we jump into this passage today, I want to remind you again where Paul, what he's addressing in the book of Romans, as is true in every church since the beginning, uh, there are relational difficulties going on in this Roman church. Uh, as many people, you've heard this kind of little quip before, that church is great except for the people, right? <laughs> it's like, I love my church except for the people. Wait a second, people, right? It's not surprising that there's relational difficulties in this Roman church, in particular in this church, what we believe is happening here is that um, it was a church that was founded really by the Gentiles, and the Gentiles were seemingly in the leadership of this church, and they had founded it, and then the Jewish people were coming into it, Jewish Christians, and what was going on is uh, the, the Gentile leadership was being very indifferent to them and very arrogant, and the Jewish believers were being challenged the same way that they were trying to bring the law and aspects of the law into this body. And so there is this conflict between kind of this, these two tribalistic uh, ideas about how to live out Christianity. So Paul is really addressing those tensions in the process of the book of Romans. And, and um, I, I think we have to understand that the tensions he's addressing are tensions that are existing. There's tensions relationally in every church. And we need to not pretend that there aren't. We need to... to to recognize it and say, so how do we solve that problem? How do we be transformed in our living and then live it out in our relationships? And so some of the words that Paul has to say here today um, are, are really challenging. I'm just going to say that right up front. This passage is really challenging. Uh, and I believe that these words of Paul here left a mark on the Roman church and a challenge. And, and I hope that today as we read these words, you'll experience that challenge as well and that it'll leave a mark, that it'll leave a mark on you to say, wow, if this is what transformational relationships look like, I've got a ways to go. But I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to kind of try to explore, how do I do this better? How do I do this better? Don't just settle. No, let's look at what he has to say here and say, how do we really live this out? And so we're going to read uh, chapter uh, 12, verse 9 through 21. 
I'm going to read it all at once here this morning because I want you to get a feel for the flow of this passage as, as I read it. So we're going to begin here in, in uh, chapter or 12, verse 9. It says, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by so doing you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Wow. That's a lot. As Scott said last week, that's a lot of sermons. In our teaching team this week, as we read through that, one of the people on the team said, as I'm reading this, I'm feeling panic. (laughs) I'm feeling a little panicky. Like, wow, how can I live all this stuff out? So I want us to take a moment to breathe and realize that we can't do this in our own power. This is back to that rest, risk, rest, dependence. You can do these things to the extent that you live in that restful dependence on Christ, and to the extent that you're resting in the gospel and allowing the gospel to move you out in these ways. And so, as we look at this this morning, and we want to talk about these verses and, and begin to wrestle with I'm going to give you some reflective questions. Um, This is an interesting type of passage, really, in the Bible, because what Paul seems to have done is he seems to have collected a bunch of um, kind of Christian sayings or Christian ideas that were present in the church at that point, and he's put them all in one passage to say, okay, if I'm going to talk about what transformational living looks like, (laughs) here it is. (laughs) And it's like, whoa, Paul, thanks, you know? Uh, but it is a challenge. So we're going to try to take it apart a little bit, but, um, but we'll, uh, we'll look at this together. So the, the first verse uh, really is the heading, uh, let love be genuine, and that's the topic. So if we're going to walk out transformation in our lives, it's going to be really led by genuine love. In fact, that's exactly, it's actually only two words in Greek. Uh, it, the two words in Greek, it, it just says genuine love. And we've made up everything else around it to say, well, what does he mean, genuine love? So in many ways, genuine love is the topic sentence here for this passage. And genuine love is a powerful statement in and of itself. How do you let your love be genuine? What that means, genuine, is this idea of taking off a mask. That's actually where that word comes out of in the Greek, is this idea of actors who would wear masks. They are not genuine. If you're acting, you're not being genuine. And so the idea is to take off your mask and to be genuine. Of course, we know that this command, the love command itself, is from Jesus. Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love. So it shouldn't surprise anybody 
that love would be kind of the thing that if we're going to say, are we being transformed and how, is, how should transformation happen? Well, love's going to head the list, right? Um, and so the early Christians, though, it's interesting, chose this rare Greek word, agape, which we're pretty familiar with in, in our day, but it is a rare Greek word. In fact, it's a word that really wasn't used that often in non-biblical Greek. It's almost as if, again, these Christians were saying, we want to talk about a unique kind of love, right? The kind of love that Jesus exemplified. And we don't want to use a word that non-biblical Greek, that worldly Greek kind of uses. So they have this word agape that is very unique in that way. And so after this simple statement um, uh, could be translated again, genuine love, he moves quickly then here to kind of this rat-a-tat staccato movement of all these participial phrases that describe some aspect of what genuine love looks like. And that's what we're going to look at today. In fact, uh, as you read this passage um, for, for kind of structural uh, use, you're going to see how I've kind of broken it down, but it has kind of a chiastic structure of, and the first part of the first half of it is this chiasm of 23232. Uh, and then he transitions in verse 14 and moves to uh, talking about enemies. But the first half of the passage is kind of a chiastic structure where the 2-3-2-3-2 two, three, two, three, two hangs together. And that's kind of how you're going to see how I've kind of explained it today. So the first aspect that we want to see in this passage is that genuine love hates evil, clings to good. That's the first chiasm, the two. That's the first two, evil, good. And, and so the idea here is certainly we understand that uh, these are strong words, in, again, in the Greek language. To, it's, 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 it hates evil, like genuine love hates evil and clings to good. And that word cling is actually the word that's used for union and marriage. So it's the idea of clinging to your spouse. It's that depth of connection. So we want to hate evil and cling to good. And um, so Paul wants to make it just from the top very simply that love is not some sort of an emotion, uh, love is something that has movement to it. And what's the movement of love? The movement of love is towards good and away from evil. And so one way to even think, if we're saying this passage is overwhelming and I'm not sure what to do with it, I, I, I would say one thing you could ask yourself the, the, this question is, what is the next good thing I need to do? Just break it down that simple. Reflect on that. What's the next good thing I need to do? What's the next good thing? That's a good question as you're living your life day to day to just stop and say, okay, I'm overwhelmed. I'm feeling like I'm not sure what love means right now. Well, one thing I know love means is what's the next good thing you can do right now? That'll be love. That's what genuine love is, moving towards good, clinging to that. And so I'm guessing in order to move towards good in your life, um, again, you're going to have to take that mask off at some level and move towards it. Well, the next um, three is now we're going to a chiasm of the three. And in this one, these three phrases really talk about how genuine love treats each other like family. Um, be devoted, treating one another as family. The church is extended family and should be seen that way. Now, you know what I mean by that, right? Complete with personality, right? And if you think you're not one of those people in the church that has personality, you might want to step back and look in the mirror, right? We all have personality, but the church is to be extended family where we don't give up on each other, where we keep trying to work through our personality differences, our struggles to get along. And that's really what Paul's getting at here is this idea of, of family and, and our devotion to each other. 
Um, again, he, he warns here that it's really not easy to do this, and that's why he says zeal. He throws in, don't be lazy in, in caring for each other. Do it with zeal. Stay active. Don't give up. So a question um, under this that I was thinking of is this idea of honor, right? It's like, so who in this body do I need to honor more? Who's a person as I look around the body here at LCC that says, you know what? I'm not really honoring that person very well. Who do you need to lift up and consider better than yourself and show more honor to? That's a very practical way. And that requires, again, taking off that mask. Because, you know, I'd rather keep my mask on and protect myself because it's easier to do that and then to just kind of be nice to people, but maybe not really showing honor. Showing honor is going to be taking that mask off and, and being vulnerable enough to, to, sh- to share with somebody how I really feel about them, what I really think about them, and, and how I want to lift them up and make them experience that love in a, in, a, in a new way. And they need, you know, we need that encouragement. We need to be family around here that, that doesn't live for ourselves, but lives for honoring each other and lifting each other up and saying, how can I make your life better? How can I make you experience Christ in a deeper way? The next chiasm, uh, the next is a pair, um, where genuine love is spirit-led, service-oriented. So, this idea here is we're to be focused on letting the Holy Spirit lead us day to day in the ways we serve the Lord. Um, Paul here is really about, you know, it's be fervent in the Spirit is this idea of being on fire. It's like, are you on fire? Are you passionate? Is the Spirit making you passionate about living for Christ? Is the Spirit alive in you? Do you get up in the morning and pray and say, Holy Spirit, make me fervent today? Light me on fire. That's where it starts, right? That's where genuine love. If you want to love people genuinely, you need the Holy Spirit firing that up in you. And then Paul, I think, balances that with serve the Lord because, again, it's easy sometimes when you're getting on fire and you're excited and you're passionate, all of a sudden you make it about you. (laughs) And Paul says, no, no. When the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and is alive in you, don't make it about you. Serve the Lord. Sacrifice. Serve Him. And so a question we maybe can think about is, how is the Spirit asking me to serve? How is the Spirit asking me to serve? We don't want to just be on fire. We want to be on fire. We want to be fervent in the Spirit, but not just for the sake of that, for the sake of sacrifice and service to the body. Who, who is it? Where is it that I'm supposed to be serving? The next uh, triplet here um, is genuine love is steadfast in struggle. This is a tough one. It's a really hard one. Are you facing struggle? Paul is saying that we are called in the midst of our pain to rejoice in the hope that one day all pain will be gone. We are to be patient in the midst of the struggle knowing that one day we will see the end of the struggle. And what will enable that kind of thinking is a focus on prayer, constant prayer. If you want to be a good lover, then in your pain and hardship, learning how to pray, rejoicing in hope, 
will enable you to keep your focus on love for others, which is the transformed life. I hope that you've experienced that from someone in your life at some point who has been suffering, but was able to get to the point where they saw it as God's mercy in their life, they saw it as God's grace in their life, and they loved you in a very powerful way because they were rejoicing in that hope. You know, it's the people who are in pain, the people who are struggling, who have this, this grand opportunity to genuinely love people in a transforming way if they'll remain constant in prayer, focused on what Jesus Christ has done for them and is doing for them. Again, I have had the privilege for 25 years of being married to a woman who is living this out in her life. (laughs) And I can tell you that her battle against pain in her life and struggle over the stuff that she has gone through in her pain has ministered to me. And she has loved me in ways like nobody else because she has not let the struggle and the pain of life bury her and get cynical and get angry. She is constant in prayer, looking to say, God, how is this your mercy in my life? Paul here, I believe, is trying to tell the New Testament community that pain and struggle is there Yes, it's real. It's part of life. But if you want to be a genuine lover, focus on how to rejoice in the midst of it, how to have hope in the midst of your pain. Genuine love is driven by that. So the question to think about is, how are you using your pain to reach out toward others? How are you allowing the pain in your life, the struggle in your life, how are you persevering, remaining steadfast, using it, in a way that enables you to love in a deeper way so that you're moving towards people, taking your mask off, being real, being honest. And then the last chiasm in this first part in verse 13 is this idea of genuine love meets the practical needs of the family. This one's pretty straightforward. If someone in your church body has a need, meet it. This is talking clearly financial needs, hospitality needs. Someone has a need, practical, just go do it. Like, contribute. Contribute to the needs. If we're family, that's what we do. If we're family, we contribute to the needs that are present in our body. What needs do we have to meet? And that's, that's a bottom line question here that I would just say to reflect on is, so who right now is God asking me to meet a practical need for? Who's in my sphere, right? Who's in my sphere of relationships here in this body that has a practical need? And then how am I going to go meet it? So one thing I love about this body is I see that happening a lot around here. In fact, I know it's happening this afternoon in one setting that I know of. An email went out yesterday that I saw. Practical need. Are you willing to do that? That's genuine love. Well, then, as we move on here um, to uh, verse 14, then we do see a transition here. Um, 
this transition moves us from really inside the community to outside. And, and so in verse 14, Paul here talks about this idea of blessing those who persecute you. And we see that this, um, this idea is clearly something that um, is a challenge. <laughs> uh, and it starts really what, when he talks about this in verse 14, I'm just trying to find it here so I can read it to you. Um, it says, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. What he's saying here is, is genuine love prays blessings on your enemy. It's about, that this verse in particular is really talking about prayer. And the reason is, is the context here is this idea of you either can ask God to pray for, or ask God to bless people or you ask God to curse. It's not here personal at this point. It's not you doing the blessing personally. It's, it's your prayer life. It's saying genuine love prays for your enemies. Genuine love prays for your enemy. So a question you might want to ask yourself is, who is treating me as an enemy that I need to pray God's blessings on? It's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy at all, is it? I'm much better at praying curses than blessings. It's much easier for me to do that. Genuine love, though, is taking off my mask and setting it down and saying, it's not about me. I don't need to protect myself here. I can open myself up, and I can pray a blessing on my enemy and genuinely pray for them. So verse 14, he goes there towards the outside, if you will. Um, now before Paul goes on to continue his thought here, something about blessing and cursing seems to jog his memory. Um, I don't know what happens here in the passage. You know, it's not well organized, Paul. I'm like, Paul? I'm going to grade your writing here. It's a little confusing. But it seems like he takes a few more moments to say something more to the body of Christ. And he goes over then right away to weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. Okay, And this is now clearly coming back into the body. And so genuine love is emotionally connects with one another. It's this idea of emotion. It's how do you bring your emotions into relationships? Are you willing to weep with someone who is weeping? Are you willing to rejoice? I think sometimes it's harder, honestly, to rejoice. You know, harder meaning sometimes, you know, good things are happening in somebody's life and things aren't happening so well in your life and you can feel jealous, you can feel envious, right? You can feel like, oh, it's hard. But again, take off the mask. Be genuine. Admit it. <laughs> Start trying to admit these things and, and emotionally connect with each other. Emotions are part of what it means to offer your body to Christ, is to give him your emotions as well, to offer them to one another. So the question is, as you look around this body, as you think of this body, who right now needs that from you? Who needs your emotional connection right now? Who needs you to emotionally be present for them? Where is that person in your life that needs you to be present I think it's a great question for us to think about because I think that's maybe one of the harder ones that maybe it's not natural. Maybe because I'm a man, I'm talking. And I know maybe it's harder for us men, and I shouldn't speak for the women, I suppose, but, but I know as a man that's hard for me at times to say, I want to I wanna be that vulnerable with my emotions. I want to connect with you emotionally. It can be difficult. Then he goes on and uh, then has a, a, some other statements about the body. Um, and they all have to do with uh, genuine love things rightly, right? Uh, 
it's just going back to really what Scott talked about last week of sober judgment, and it's this idea of um, we can become full of ourselves and begin to think that we're more than what we are. Uh, we decide that we don't need to associate then with those we consider below us, and we get carried away with our greatness. Um, we can begin to think that our opinions are the only ones that matter. And again, I know that's easy for me to be in this camp of, of um, I've got it figured out, I'm right, you're wrong, I have the right opinion here. Paul is saying, don't, don't, don't carry yourself that way, think rightly, don't be wise in your own eyes, be humble, think rightly about others, and, and again, don't treat people as less. So a question that I think would be good to think about is, who am I treating as a less than? Who in this body do I treat as a less than? Who do I see as someone who maybe doesn't have enough together or have it together in a way that um, I think they should? And so I treat them as a less than. Sorry, I can't see the clock today, so hang on. All right. Um, so then we go on back to the uh, outside again, um, and Paul then jumps back to, to the world, if you will, and, and it moves, and he's going to kind of end the section here, but um, the next thing that he talks about that is genuine love doesn't retaliate but does good. So he's returning back. As, as this passage kind of is encapsulated, you're going to see as the structure of it, it starts off with, evil good, and it's going to land back on evil good is kind of this big, like, parentheses, evil and good. And so he's beginning to head back that direction here where he says um, genuine love really is, is this idea of, um, of not retaliating. Again, picking up on the teachings of Jesus, clearly, who said, um, don't exact an eye for an eye in a tooth for a tooth. Instead, do good things to those who are treating you uh, in, in ways, and again, doing things that they don't deserve. Um, so I think the question that we need to ask ourselves is, you know, what is my reputation in the world? Like, when I'm out in the world and I'm out in my job or my community, am I a person that people see as someone who is not retaliating but doing good? Do I have a reputation for going the extra mile? That's really what Jesus taught and Paul is trying to pick up on here is, am I willing to go the extra mile for somebody? Would people look at my life and, and see that? What's my reputation? Um, it's, uh, I know in, the, in my past uh, years, my kids have gotten older and, and I've outgrown that, but um, I used to coach sports, a lot of sports in the community. And um, you want to talk about a place <laughs> where it is difficult to not retaliate. Um, you know, it is, it can, you know, when you're coaching kids and you got parents of, you know, the parents' kids are never getting to play the right position, they're never getting to have the right amount of time to play, they're never getting, you know, it doesn't matter, it's just, and you can begin to be <laughs> overwhelmed by some of that, right? And, and for me, it was one of the challenges I kept going back, yeah, how do I do good here? How do I listen? How do I do good? I want, I want to do good. I don't want to retaliate. I don't want to, you know, lose it. <laughs> and uh, so, so we have to think about our, our place out there in the world where we have opportunity to show love and, um, and to do good for others, even if we feel like they're not treating us fairly. And kind of uh, Paul picks up, continues that gentleman in love then seeks peace in relationship. So building on that, we, uh, we, again, we don't have control over conflict, meaning 
I don't have control over you in a conflict. I don't have control over the other person, but I do have control over me. So what Paul is basically saying here is as far as it, it goes, from your side of the argument, from your side of the conflict, be at peace. Offer peace. Um, so a question to ask is, am I a person who is seeking peace in my relationships or am I doing destructive things? Am I seeking peace or am I being destructive in my relationships? Out, especially, I think he's talking about out in the world. Um, and then... Um, the last one he picks up on in 1920 is that genuine love trusts God for the outcome. And this is a great landing point for love in general is we don't have to take matters into our own hands because we have a loving God who is for us and knows exactly what is happening to us. So we don't have to solve every problem our enemy might bring against us because we're living for another kingdom. The martyrs throughout the centuries have exhibited this kind of faith. And Paul goes even further than how we should think about these hard situations to acting with compassion toward the enemy, meaning to feed them and to clothe them. Well, Jesus picks up on clothing them, but this idea of not just not, just not uh, you know, doing you know, genuine love is, is more than just kind of passive. It's actually actively then serving your enemies and taking care of their needs. Genuine love, again, can do that because it can trust God for the outcome. So Question maybe you need to think about, is there a situation right now where you need to show concern for an enemy? Is there an enemy that you've been wrestling with in your life and um, you need to, to do something for them? You need to, now that we are talking about, we started this section with the idea of praying for blessings on them. Now what we're saying is, no, now you are the blesser. How do you bless your enemy? What can you actively do in a personal way to bless your enemy? Don't just sit back. Pray, that's where it starts, but it ends with actually doing something for them. And so then this section of Romans ends where it started, with a reminder to overcome evil by doing good. Again, simple, if you want a summary, a simple thing. If you want to say, what can I walk away with today? Simple statement, what's the next good thing that you can do? What's the next good thing? Think about what's the next good thing that you need to do right now in your relationships. That's maybe a simple way to think about it. I've given you a lot of other questions to hopefully reflect on as well when we talk about genuine love. But I hope by now you're feeling the challenge of this passage. It should feel like a challenge. Genuine love for people is really hard. Yet it is in our relationships where we walk out our transformation. So I want you to just take a moment here this morning... I want you to think of somebody. I, I believe the Holy Spirit has brought someone to your mind here this morning. There's some relationship that you're involved in right now that's been hard, that's been challenging, that is somehow um, you would have to admit, I don't know that I've been doing these things that Paul's talking about in that relationship. I think I've kept my mask on, been more about protecting myself, holding it in, making sure that I get mine first, making sure that I'm caring for my own needs first as my priority, and, and I've been unwilling to, to let down my guard. I've been unwilling to take off the mask. Who's that person? Think about that relationship. Because this week, I want to challenge you this week to really start asking God, asking the Holy Spirit to, to say, ask the simple question, okay, what, what would it look like for me to love that person? What would genuine love look like right now in this relationship? 
Just ask God that open-ended question and read back through this passage and see if some of these things don't apply. And, and um, you know, I, I think we oftentimes um, can read the Bible and, and um, kind of get caught up in, wow, there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot here. And, and we get busy then, and, and then we just, our lives are moving quickly, and we don't ever stop them and say, what's really going on? <laughs> what relationships am I really impacting on any level? What relationships? And, and I just want to challenge you this week, today, to start thinking, who's the person? Where is the situation? I'm guessing if you're married, that's a great place to start. If you have kids, that's another one. If you work a job, you've got people you work with, that's another one. It's not that hard to think of relationships. And I want to challenge you to stop yourself and think. Genuine love, where do I need to take my mask off further? Where do I need to show more vulnerability in order to love somebody? Again, vulnerability is not the goal, but if you're going to love people, it goes right through vulnerability. If you're not going to be vulnerable, you can't love. Genuine love is taking off the mask and being vulnerable. So here's, here's the assignment. Slow down. That's the first assignment. I'm giving you permission. It's July 4th week, right? We got vacation. We got time. Use the time not for a house project. Use the time to slow down and reflect and to stop and say, evaluate your relationships. Identify a person, a situation where you need to become a better lover. And like I said, <laughs> I hope you're hearing this today to say, yeah, in all my relationships, I need to become a better lover. But let's just start with one, one place. Then I want you to evaluate your past responses. Evaluate, look back a little bit, reflect back and say, what have I been doing in this relationship? What has been my motivation? What has been behind my words and my actions with this person? Is it self-protection? Is it a mask that I've been wearing because I'm afraid if they really knew my true heart, they would shame me. They would, they would embarrass me. They would make me feel stupid. Evaluate. What are you doing right now in that relationship? What's motivating your actions? And then identify the mask you're wearing. Identify it. Call it out. How are you protecting yourself right now? What does the mask in your life look like? Is it the jokester, right? Always telling jokes to keep that relationship at a distance. Sarcasm. Don't want anybody to get too close, so I'm going to be sarcastic in these situations. Is it just simply withdrawing, quiet, just sitting quietly, not engaging at all? Is it busyness? Just, I'm just staying busy. I've got a lot to do, got a lot to get done. Don't have time for that right now. I'm busy, got projects. I'm busy, I'm busy. I'm going, I'm going. I don't have time. That's a great mask because right here in, in our country, that mask works really well because people applaud it and say, yeah, you're a great person because you work so hard. You're, you, know, you put in 80 hours a week, man. That's, that's American. That's really good. We love to wear that mask, and it keeps us so distant from people. 
And then fourth, figure out what it would mean to do the loving thing in this situation. Figure it out. Wrestle with it. Look at this passage in genuine love and say, is this a situation where I need to offer myself emotionally to this person in a way that I've not been willing to offer myself emotionally? Am I needing to think rightly about this person and come up with a way that I can speak into their life words of honor, words of encouragement, words of building them up? Do I need to move that direction with this person? Is it something that is simply being willing to say, how, how, how have I hurt you? How, how, can I, how can we connect better? Help me understand what I'm doing that's keeping us at a distance, that's keeping my walls up and keeping a wall between us. I want to be genuine with you. I want to take off my mask. I think a big question that we might be asking ourselves is, what's my motivation? (laughs) How can I ever get to a point in my life where I'm willing to take off my mask in a group of people that are not safe because you know it's never going to be safe completely? (laughs) It's never going to be safe completely. It's never going to be safe. We are all sinners. We are all living and, and walking in our flesh so much that when we start, one person takes off their mask, trust me, you will be hurt. Don't think this is, this is a painful process to build closer relationships. But what's your motivation? It goes back to Romans 12, very, verse 1, where we started. By the mercies of God, offer your body as a living sacrifice. You will never do this. You will never genuinely love. You will never move towards people in a genuine, open way, willing to be hurt, willing to take that risk, unless you first of all understand what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. By the mercies of God. By the mercies of God. So as you take time this week to slow down, to reflect, Maybe that's where you need to start is reflecting on the mercies of God and understanding what Jesus Christ has done for you on the cross. He took your pain, he took your shame, he took your sin, and he paid the price. He forgave you. You are forgiven. Jesus Christ sees you as redeemed. Jesus Christ sees you as righteous. Jesus Christ sees you as new, renewed by the mercies of God, present your bodies. Paul's not just saying, hey, go present your bodies and and live for Christ and die to yourself. He's saying, no, the reason you can die to yourself, the reason you can do this is because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. That's core, understanding that. I want to close with a couple statements. And... um, Hopefully this kind of brings us home to its core of why community and why we see cell group and discipling relationships and connectivity and closeness as the 
the place where we need to be living our lives day in and day out. And, and this, is, this is why, is, is this. Character that enables love develops best when hidden issues of the heart, primarily deep longings and self-protective relational strategies are directly addressed. And the ideal soil for character growth is rich community. Only in personal interaction can hidden issues of the heart be substantially surfaced and resolved. Call this model character through community. And then this, it takes courage to deal with our lives. Transparency ruins our efforts to control self-protectively the images we project. I'm going to read that again. Transparency ruins our efforts to control self-protectively the images we project, but an honest grappling with life will begin a painful process leading to a deeper knowledge of God. Knowing God is shattering, transforming, crippling, renewing, devastating, strengthening, but knowing God is life. Apart from God, life must be distorted to be endured. With God, life can be faced in all its ugliness and potential, and we can become more than conquerors, a people whose fellowship with Christ enables us to love him and others as we were designed to do. That's what this is about. Genuine love requires us to be willing to go places that are hard, that are painful, to be more transparent in our lives. And we need to understand that transformation is always going to be walked out, walked out in our relationships one event at a time. It's reflecting on each event, taking time. Where am I at? How am I doing? Am I being genuine here or am I protecting myself? Am I moving towards this situation? Let me go ahead and pray for us. Father, we are grateful that you are a God who loves us and loved us so much that you sent Jesus Christ to die on our behalf so that we can have the power in us that we need to be able to genuinely love. So Lord, it's my prayer that you would enable each one of us this week to really rest in your work and then to identify the places where you're calling us to risk, to step out, to make a difference in the ways that you're calling us to genuinely love. Please, Lord, enable this to take heart, to take root in our hearts so that we can continue to grow and experience transformation here at LCC, experience transformation in our personal relationships, and experience transformation in our relationship with you. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.